If money affects your life in any way, Money Making Sense will talk about it. Be financially healthy, wealthy, and wise. Here's your host, Heather Kelly. Welcome to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we're talking about your identity on filing your taxes. It's really important. Joining me is Chet Campbell. He is the senior manager at Ide Bailey. And I also have Susan Spears, who is the CEO of Utah Association of Certified Public Accountants. So welcome to the show. Thanks. Thank you. Now, before we get going, I do want to mention that Utah Association of Certified Public Accountants, UACPA, they are the sponsor of this podcast, and we're always happy to have them on. Susan, let's just start with you for a minute. The IRS this year has sent out some conflicting information. The first I heard at the very beginning of the year and even before the end of December of 2022, they were saying, you know, we should file early to make sure that nobody else files with your social security number to steal your ID. And then all of a sudden it was like, wait, 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 don't file. Wait a minute. There's an issue. And now they say, no, just go ahead and file. So could you just maybe address some of the IRS confusion for a minute before we go into identity theft? Well, there's always confusion. I mean, let's let's be honest there. IRS, you know, they said, yes, go ahead. We're ready to open tax season. I think it was around January 23rd. Then they came back with a notice that, you know, on a couple things. I mean, certainly the ID things, they test their systems. They want to make sure that things are flowing through, information's encrypted and all that. But then there was also some challenges with how they were treating some of our state and local tax payments, you know, that were coming in from states that were going through some of our flow through entities. That That's a whole other issue that we could spend hours and hours on, but it would probably bore the general audience to death. But they, they are good to go. Um, I agree with them. Let's get your taxes in early, get your taxes into your CPAs early. Please do not wait until April 1st, or I can all but guarantee you that they will be extended. Okay, so Chet, let's go to you now. How can thieves steal my identity when I want to file my taxes? Well, thieves will do anything to get free money. And so if they can get any of your personal information, such as social security numbers, birth dates, they're going to do anything to get that free money. And one of those items is that they will file a tax return on your behalf to try to get your tax refund. If I file my taxes, let's say I wait another few weeks and I file, I could get a message back saying, you already did this. So what what does that message look like and what happens next? Basically, what that message looks like is a notification stating from the IRS, hey, we've already received a tax filing on your behalf. If this is truly your tax filing, you need to submit your your return paid by paper, fill out an identity theft application with the IRS and prove to them that you are who you are with copies of your driver's licenses and additional information. Okay, that that sounds like a lot of work. What happens if I just go, forget it, it wasn't much money, I'm a little pissed, but whatever, I'll just do it. I'll just file next year really early. What happens then? Well, you're just kicking the can down the road another year, and next year you're going to have problems again. So you're better off to just take care of it now. And yes, it is a, a big issue, and it does take months to get resolved. So if you can 
get your tax return filed early, it saves you the heartache of trying to to get your identity back with the IRS. It's just like trying to get your identity back with your credit card being compromised or your bank account being compromised. This is just with a, a government agency. So even if I filed really early the second year after I found out that somebody took my identity, the IRS still doesn't believe it's me. Is that what we're saying? Well, if you don't take care of it this first year, you, you can have your identity, uh, you can have your tax return filed again next year. And they'll just continue to take care of that. They'll just continue to take advantage of your social security number until you get it resolved. Susan, any aside from filing early, what are a few things we can do to prevent this from happening to us? Well, I think that, of course, you need to make sure that you're not sharing your identity with anyone. You know, don't be emailing your social security numbers across email, internet. I mean, that information is easily pulled by, you know, those that are stuck in the internet. Make sure that you don't do that. Use secure websites. You know, CPAs, many of us are using portals, if you will, for our clients to submit that information. Submit it through those portals. The information is encrypted across the wires before it comes down to the CPA to prepare the income taxes. We put a lot of capital in, if you will, to make sure that information is secure. And if it is compromised, I agree with Chet, you got to get it taken care of as soon as you find out. Because who knows? I mean, once your ID is compromised, it can, it can blow up on you. You know, it makes it difficult, not only for your IRS refund, but it could impede maybe renewing a driver's license, applying for jobs or whatever. You just don't know. And and I would even suggest, I mean, as painful as it can be, you know, go on to ID.me on the IRS website and get your account applied for. Now, when I have filed in the past, I've always been told or, you know, the websites will say, the IRS already has a copy of your W-2s and your W-9s, and that and they use that information to compare against what I am filing to make sure that they match up. So if some fraudster sends something in that is way off base, how come they get the, the refund, a huge outrageous a refund, and nobody catches it? So... That is a, a great question. And what happens is, though the W-2s are due to the individuals by the end of January, but they do have some additional time to get those documents over to the IRS. So there's usually a, a time gap between when individuals can file their return and when the IRS has those matching documents. So the IRS has some additional time to try to play catch up. And mm-hmm. With that, with them, it does take a little bit longer to get those items matched up, and usually you'll get those notices in the summer or fall if you filed in January, February timeframe. But keep in mind, though, from a state end, I know here in the state of Utah, we have a requirement that those W-2s be filed electronically. So with the state of Utah, so we're filing those returns by January 31st, which is the due date for the individuals. So the state is already matching that up. So if the state sees a compromise, they have the ability to then work up to the IRS. You know, so that does facilitate a little quirk 
a little more quickly. I mean, the state's going to catch it, but the IRS, it, you know, Chet's right. It just takes a lot longer. So maybe fill out both a federal and the state form, but maybe file the state first really fast or n- no? No, because typically what happens, especially as we're using software CPAs, we file them both together. And I mean, most states, they couple with the IRS code, if you will. So whatever the IRS does, the states typically do. So you file the returns together. Push the button, one goes to the IRS, one goes to the state. All right, well, this is a good place to take a break. Uh, When we come back, we'll go into maybe some other ways that people are exposed to fraud. So we'll be right back with Susan Spears, the CEO of Utah Association of CPAs, and Chet Campbell, he's a senior manager at Ide Bailey. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we're talking about tax fraud and things to look out for if this during this tax season uh, as you're getting ready to file, if you haven't already. Joining me today is Chet Campbell. He's the Senior Manager at Ide Bailey. And we also have Susan Spears, the CEO of UACPA. So, Chet, we discussed individuals like your identity can be stolen or, as you phrased it, Somebody files on your behalf and they exaggerate all of your discounts and how much money you didn't make so that you can get a bigger refund. How does that work for somebody who's maybe in a small business? Can somebody file on a small business behalf as well? As far as businesses go, they're, they're, they usually don't file on their behalf because you, you've got another layer of a tax filing. And so they just want to do something that's quick and easy. So they generally focus in, focus in on individuals to get their identities. Are businesses still seeing any issues from the pandemic? Because I know the first year of the pandemic, they had all the forgiveness loans. Is that still affecting them on their tax returns this year? To an extent, yes. It's definitely dwindled down, but there are still some programs out there that you can go back and get some refunds or look and see if it's beneficial to get some additional credits. So they are out there. It's worth looking into. Um, The CPAs do understand those rules and regulations and can help you understand if you can qualify for any of those. Since we're on the subject of fraud and small businesses do have that extra protection, like you said, another layer, what are some other ways that people are trying to, even if they aren't the victim of fraud, maybe they're trying to defraud the IRS. So what are things that people are doing? So one of the common items is a lot of people will say, I'm getting money under the table. I'm doing work and I'm not getting, I'm getting paid for it. But because I got paid under the table, there's no documentation going to the IRS. And so I'm not going to report that income. So a lot of individuals will do that and not not pick up income where they should be. So how does the IRS ever figure something like that out? It's really tough for them to be able to figure it out when they have how many millions of tax returns that they've got to chase down and Really, when you look at money coming under the table, some people, it may be a few dollars, some maybe a couple hundred, others could be in the thousands or $10,000 range. When they they can only audit a certain amount of people, and that's really the only way that they're going to discover that. 
Susan, I know it's illegal to not report income you get, whether it's under the table or not, but what laws are in place to punish people who do that if they're caught? Well, if if we're talking from a business standpoint, you're supposed to issue a 1099 for for services. If it's like, let's say, a a subcontractor, we're paying them over $600. Um, They can be fined for not filing those 1099s. And we have seen that. I mean, I, I know that during the years that I practiced publicly, I, I actually saw that a few times. I pulled in a few clients because they got audited because their person that they were doing subcontract work for did not issue the 1099s. They did an audit on them and they were able to trace back the cash, if you will. Maybe not exactly down to the penny because, you know, you see a withdrawal from the bank of X thousand amount of dollars and then... I don't know, they go out on Friday afternoon and divvy out the cash or whatever they do. But but there can be fines and penalties at both the federal level and the state level. I do want to go over quickly, what is the filing deadline this year? I know it's not April 15th. It's drilled into everybody's head. April 15th, that's always the deadline. But it's different this year. So what's going on? It is different. The The deadline for this year is Tuesday, April 18th, 2023. And the reason why is when it falls on the weekend, the due date gets automatically pushed to the following Monday. So with April 15th falling on a Saturday, we automatically have until Monday the 17th. But why don't we have to file on Monday? Well, this year, it just happens to be that on Monday in Washington, D.C., it is a holiday called Emancipation Day. And per the IRS, the law states that if there is a a holiday in Washington, D.C. that impacts the tax deadline, it's similar to a federal uh, holiday and it'll impact all taxpayers. So because of that, we have an extra day and can file up until April 18th. So any procrastinators out there, you should be happy about this. If you keep thinking the 15th is your deadline and then you file three days later, you're still okay. Correct. But as Susan mentioned earlier, you don't really want to wait that long. What are some of the issues that you can see aside from that somebody else could steal your identity in the meantime or or file on your behalf? What are some other issues that arise by filing that late? Well, I think one thing that you, you have to keep in mind, the, fi- the filing deadline is April 18th this year, but the taxes are still due. So you can extend your tax return to October, but your income tax is due on April 18th. And if you don't pay that, then the IRS starts assessing penalties and interest on that. If I don't file before the 18th and I do an extension, how do I know how much taxes I owe? Well, that is why you hire a CPA. I mean, oftentimes, and, and this is why, and, and Chad, correct me if I'm wrong, but I know that when I practiced, I mean, anything that wasn't in my office, honestly, by March 23rd, they got automatically extended because I had to shift in my operating cycle into calculating estimated tax payments, if you will, for the, for taxpayers that we weren't going to be able to file their taxes for, so we would have them pay into the IRS and to the and at the state level what they thought they were going to owe in income taxes, so that we could alleviate any penalty and interest. We would try we would be conservative and 
try to calculate a little high, but but that's you know that's one of the reasons that we say get your taxes in early, you know, especially for our more complex taxpayers. Chet, I'm your client, and I'm I'm going to be late. It's April second. I still haven't filed, and you're like, look, lady. You just need to give me some money so I can send it off to the IRS. And I go, well, I think I'm going to owe $2,000 this year. And I give you 2000 But by the time we do actually file a couple of months later on the extension, it winds up being $3,000. What happens then? So Susan mentioned this earlier that the taxes are due on April 18th. So if you paid the $2,000, you've covered two-thirds of your tax liability, that other $1,000, the IRS and the states will add some additional penalties and interest for the late payment of the, of, the, of the tax paid. So every single penny is due this year by April 18th, but you don't actually have to file the paperwork to confirm all of that money until later, only if you've filed an extension on filing after the deadline. Correct. Oh, wow, it's complicated. All right, we are going to take a break. We'll be right back with Chet Campbell. He's the senior manager at Ide Bailey, and Susan Spears, the CEO of UACPA. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that affects your life in any way, money-wise. We're talking about it. And today we're talking about your taxes. It is time to file if you haven't already, even though the deadline is April 18th this year. We want to try to get this done earlier rather than later. Joining me today is Susan Spears. She is the CEO of Utah Association of CPAs. Also, Chet Campbell, Senior Manager at Ide Bailey. And we were just discussing when the deadline is. It's April 18th, and all your money is due on that day, whether you file the paperwork or not. But can I file the paperwork right now, but wait until the 18th to actually pay the money? Absolutely. That is that is one great technique to do is file early. If you owe the taxes, you've got some time to to save the money, put it together to pay the taxes on April 18th. So I'm one of the lucky ones. I've actually never owed taxes in my life. So I guess that's good. Although that means I'm making not enough money, apparently. (laughs) But, you know, when I file, there's always that box that says, this is how much you owe, or this is your refund. I always assumed if I owed money, I was going to have to send it in at the exact same time that paperwork goes through. So how, how does that work if I file first, but send money later? So you, you can have the money come out of your account the same time you file your tax return. The other option is they do create uh, payment vouchers that you can use to mail in, the, mail in a check, or you can make the payment electronically at a later date. So for simplicity, it is easier to make the payment all of the time you're filing the tax return because it, it's addressed at one time and it can be done. But if you file the tax return early and you don't want to make the payment, just hold, pull the payment voucher out and mail in a check or just go online and pay it electronically at a later date. Also, when we were talking about filing early because you don't want anybody else to file on your behalf, another nice thing to file early is if we are talking about we don't know quite yet exactly how much taxes that we're going to owe, this could be a way to start figuring things out, especially if you're paying quarterly. Correct. So along with April 18th being the 
the tax due date for all of 2022's taxes. It's also the first quarter estimated tax payment for 2023. So if you do make estimated tax payments, you've got to have an idea of what your 2023 income is going to look like so that you can make your first quarter payment coming due on April 18th. And so in line with trying to get 2022 finalized, we've got to start looking at 2023 and kind of get an idea of what our income's looking like this year as well. What type of people pay quarterly on their taxes? People that pay quarterly generally do not have W-2s. They don't have federal withholding. A lot of times they're self-employed, they're running their own businesses, or they've got a lot of investment income. Susan, I know you're big on the planning for the next year. Once you've got this previous year's taken care of, you want to use some of that information to move forward to this year so that you're even more prepared when you file next year. Yeah, we try to do what we want to do as CPAs is we want our clients to be more forward thinking rather than backward thinking as far as, you know, this is what I did last year, yada, yada, yada. Um, We want them to be thinking about, okay, this is what I've got coming on. You you know, maybe my wages are going to go up 10% or I'm buying a new home. I'm selling a business. I've got kids going off to college. I mean, just having some of those tidbits of information as your CPA, we can say, okay, well, if we've got, if your kids, if you've got a child that's getting married, for example, maybe we're going to be losing tuition credit or you know, if they're going to school and we're taking that tuition credit on our return because we're still claiming them as a deduction. Or, you know, maybe there are things changing that we may or may not be able to take itemized deductions. Maybe we want to, you know, kind of bunch so that we can do standardized deduction one year, itemized deductions the next year. So it's worth having the conversation with your CPA you know, as we're doing this year's taxes, let's talk about what next year looks like as well. Yeah, actually, while you were just speaking, it occurred to me, what if I have a child that turns 18, like July 15th, and I'm able to just like not, I don't deduct them anymore after that point. Do I just deduct half a child for half the year? Like, how does that work? (laughs) Well, we wish it were that easy. (laughs) It ultimately comes down to support, who's supporting the the child. And if you've supported him for more than half the year, then you can claim him as a child and you can continue to claim him as long as you are supporting him and he's going to college and you're you're maintaining that support. If it happened in January or February and then they went off on their own and started to support themselves, they would be able to claim themselves because they supported themselves for more than half of the year. So there is a half a year time. Correct. Okay. So what other things should we be doing uh, for tax planning for this next year for 2023? Well, 2022 was uh, kind of a transition year. Up through 2022, we had seen economy increasing and everybody was doing well. 2022 kind of slowed down a little bit. Uh, 2023, you may want to look at uh, what's happening within your businesses within, with you personally, and maybe you need to tweak some some items, maybe you need to adjust your withholding on your W-2. Maybe you don't want to make it as large of estimated tax payments. And when the economy really starts going down, businesses slow down a little bit. And with the with the safe harbor of payments going into 2023 for estimated tax payments, 
maybe we want to look at trying to look at what we're estimating our income for 2023 being versus, well, I had a really good year in 2022. I'll just pay the same amount of taxes I am having to pay for 2022. You don't want to put more in, into the coffer than you have to because it's an interest-free loan that you're giving the IRS to hold your money where you could, where with interest rates right now, you can at least get a little bit better of a return on your money than a 0% interest rate with the IRS. Yeah, I actually want to go into that a little bit more to clarify for people. On my W-4 with my employer, when I was first hired, I said, I want three deductions, withhold money for three people, me, two kids, whatever it is. And so they will take out less money in taxes. The more deductions I have on my W-4, the less money they take out of each paycheck. But at the end of the year, when you go to file taxes, because they took out less taxes, I may owe, depending on the tax rate and all that. Well, if you put zero deductions or one or two, you're going to have more withheld out of your paycheck. So your your net check is going to be a little bit lower. If you if you have three children uh, and yourself, you would want to at least put four to to cover your tax liability, and you want to watch that as dependents get older and as they kind of fall off and you're not supporting them as much, you, you may want to tweak that W two and adjust it down to three and two to make sure you have enough withholding. The one worry that people have is if you're not paying in 90% of your current year tax liability, you're going to get hit with some underpayment penalties. So going out and saying, hey, I'm going to claim 10 dependents so that I can have no federal withholding and I'm going to enjoy my full paycheck, you will get hit with some underpayment penalties when you do file your tax return. So I would not suggest that. It sounds like it's a difference of can you live paycheck to paycheck with less money in each, depending on how many dependents you file? Or do you need as much money as possible out of each paycheck, but possibly have to pay taxes every year when you file? Correct. And then you may get hit with underpayment penalties as well, because you did not pay enough to cover the 90% of your tax liability that was owed in the current year. Okay. So with inflation right now, I can see that being really difficult for a lot of families where they need as full amount of a paycheck as they can possibly get. But because groceries are so high and gas, then at the end of the year when they have to file their taxes, they wind up they find out they owe taxes, but they don't have any money because all that extra money was going to pay for everything else. So how is this working right now? Yeah, it can can kind of become a mess in a quick hurry. So the IRS, there are ways you can set up installment agreements with the IRS. You want to make sure that you file your return because the penalties are pretty high for failure to file, whereas failure to pay the interest rates are significantly lower. And so I would suggest at least getting the return filed and then set up an installment agreement with the IRS. Um, they pretty much will approve any installment agreement if the total liability, tax liability that is outstanding and owed to them is less than $50,000. So go ahead and set up an installment agreement where they can get paid on a monthly basis. And I would go back and revisit your W-4 and tweak it so that you don't have the same issue next year. Susan, anything to add to that? 
you make a great point. The inflation is hurting a lot of people. And it's it's kind of a financial juggling act, if you will, to kind of get our financial houses in order as you know, again, it's time, you know, we have to really look at what we're spending and how we're spending and the penalties and interest, they just are not healthy. I mean, they're exorbitant in my opinion. So we have to get that under control. So again, it's it's nice to visit with your CPA and take that time and, and strategize around some of these things so that we can, so that we can, so that we can not pay money that we don't have. You know, groceries is more important than IRS penalties. Depend upon where you are, it's a tricky path to walk because, you know, you're trying to get over this hump. And so, you know, utilize your CPAs to help you get through some of these messes. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Chet, do you have anything happening coming up in your work or that you are seeing in your business that we maybe want to think about? Well, I think... A lot of people are always posing questions about taxes and can I do this? Can I do that? And I would just say, be open about it. If you've got questions or concerns, reach out to your CPA, reach out to somebody that can give you guidance. Don't assume that you can do it because what happens if your CPA says, no, you can't do that. Well, then you kind of went down a rabbit hole and you're going to have a tough time getting out of it. So I would say reach for assistance, get the advice on the front end. And it can save you a lot of headache and heartache on the back end. Yeah. And Susan, we haven't talked about this. Utah Association of Certified Public Accountants, your organization, a lot of what you do is helping people find the right person, the right CPA for them, for their circumstances. Is this an organization that's in every state? Yeah. So every state has a state society of CPAs, if you will, kind of that membership organization. So if you're in Missouri, if you're in Illinois or whatever, typically you can hop onto their website and find a CPA. I mean, just like here in Utah, you can go on to uacpa.org and click on the find a CPA and it'll ask a couple questions and, you know, kind of hopefully hone down on some choices for you. And these aren't ambulance chasing, like... No. <laughs> We truly are altruistic. We truly do want to see the best for our clients, for our businesses, and for the organizations that we do work for. You know, we understand the economic impact that we make. All right. Anything else from anybody on on taxes and fraud and filing and when you should do it and when you shouldn't? Get that appointment set up. (laughs) Get it set up and get it done now so you can get your tax return filed. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Chet Campbell. You are the Senior Manager at Ide Bailey. And we also have Susan Spears, the CEO of Utah Association of CPAs. And UACPA is the sponsor of Money Making Sense. Thanks for listening. You can email me with any questions or topics you want to hear about at hkelly at ksl.com. That's h-k-e-l-l-y at ksl.com. And because this is Money Making Sense, you can subscribe for free on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts, and you'll never miss another episode. Thanks for being a Money Making Sense listener. Follow your common sense on the social media, Money Making Sense, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.